Well, good evening, folks. I want to thank our brother for leading the meeting this evening and for his kind words of invitation as we come to the gospel service tonight. And if you have your Bibles, we're taking our first reading from the book of Acts in chapter 4. The book of Acts in chapter 4. And we're going to read a couple of verses together and then we're going to go to another couple of passages of Scripture this evening as we seek to preach the gospel. Acts chapter 4. And we're going to commence, or we're just going to read verse number 12. Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, and it says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. And just keep those little, that little phrase in your mind, whereby we must be saved. And then if you just want to come back with me to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 for our second reading. We're just going to read verse number 17. John chapter 3 and verse 17. This time John, he says, For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. You know, Peter, he said, whereby we must be saved. And then now John, he comes and he says, but that the world through Christ might be saved. And then our final reading this evening is just in the Acts again in chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. And we'll just read at verse number 30. Acts chapter 16 and verse 30, a familiar portion of scripture, I'm sure, and concerning Paul and Silas and the Philippian jailer. And it says, And brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And we'll end our reading there, and we trust the Lord will bless these three readings together. And what we have done this evening is we have simply taken a little gospel triplet, as it were, from the Word of God. And one of the things that you will have noticed as we have read them together is the common theme is the word saved. Peter, he said, whereby we must be saved. John, he said, that through him the world might be saved. And then Paul and Silas, they came and they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And you know, that's what we want to do this evening. We want to see these three little portions of scripture. We'll see the must We'll see the possibility that we can be saved, and then we'll see how we can be saved. And what it is, is stands out amongst these little portions of Scripture this evening is the fact that we have them uttered by four men. We had Peter, John, and Paul and Silas. And one of the things that stands out across these three readings is the fact that there's unity and there's harmony amongst the message that each of them brought. The first thing that you would notice that each and every one of them thought about the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, Peter, he says that there was none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And he recognized that there was no other name but the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. John, he thought about the Savior. He said how that God sent his Son that the world might be saved through him. 
And then Paul and Silas, they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you'll see the unity here, not only that they all used or said the word saved, but there was unity because in each and every one of them, the person of Christ was central to the message. And you see, whether tonight we tell you that you must be saved, whether tonight we tell you that you can be saved, or whether tonight we tell you how to be saved, each and every one of those pieced together must center upon the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, as we want to come and consider them this evening, we must really ask ourselves a question. We must put a question to ourselves that, that nobody else can answer for us. We must ask each and every one of ourselves this evening, are you saved? You'll notice that each verse had the word saved in it. But this evening, can you say from the depths of your heart that you are saved? Do you have this evening salvation? You know, the question is not, do you intend to be saved? The question is not, do you intend to have salvation? But rather, the question tonight is, as we gather here, are you saved? Do you have salvation from the Lord? You see, one of the things that we can rejoice in is this, that the fact is that whenever we have the salvation of the Lord, it gives us assurance. It gives us an assurance in the depths of our hearts that we know we are not trusting upon our own works. We know that we're not trusting upon our own methods, but it gives us the assurance that we're trusting upon a finished work that was accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only does salvation in the Lord give us a, an assurance that we know that we're saved and we're on our way to heaven, it also gives us an association with the person of Christ. And I wonder this evening what your association is with the person of Christ. You know, if you were to go out into the streets any day of the week, you would find that the association that many people have with the person of Christ is simply to utter his name as a swear word or simply to utter his name from the, from the slip of the tongue as they do something wrong. Many people today, the only association they'll have with the Savior is to take his name in vain. But I wonder this evening, can you say that you have an association with Christ? You can identify with him. You can say you're a follower of the Savior. You can say that you're an ambassador for Christ. I wonder this evening, do you have assurance that you're on your way to heaven? I wonder this evening, do you have an association that you're identified with Christ? I wonder this evening, do you have an adoration for the person of Christ? You know, we could go down and we could list out the many different things that the world can offer today. And whilst we know that the things that the world can offer will give pleasure for a time, the truth is that every person in this world knows that the things that this world can offer will not last the time of eternity. They will never satisfy the soul like the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see, not only will salvation in the Lord, does it give you assurance, does it give you an association with him, but it will give you an adoration for his person, recognizing that the only joy that you will truly have for eternity will be found in him. And so we leave that question with you tonight. Are you saved? Do you have assurance of heaven? Do you have an association with him? 
Do you have an adoration for the person of Christ? We just want to think first of all tonight of that little first reading that we took. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And we would simply just mark upon that tonight that this tells us about the priority of salvation, the priority of salvation that we must be saved. It's very much the same words that were echoed by the Lord Jesus Christ. If we think that Peter said, ye must be saved, the Lord Jesus Christ said, ye must be born again. And you know, tonight, that is the crux of the gospel message. There's a, there's a necessity. There's a priority. We must do something. We must do something. And what is interesting to find that whenever we get to Acts chapter 4 and when Peter utters out this message to those that are around him, you'll find that if you were to read Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4 and you would gather your, your thoughts as we get up to Acts chapter 4 and verse 12, you will very much notice that one of the things that is marked upon the preaching of Peter and even upon the, the letter as a whole is they were very much taken up with the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ had, was risen again, was risen again. They were very much thrilled with the fact that they came with a message, a good news message, how men could be saved. And it wasn't around the man who had died and was still dead, but they rejoiced in the fact that they came with a message of a Savior who was alive and was alive forevermore. And you know, is that not one of the things that is good about the gospel tonight? We come to present one who died for our sins, according to the scriptures. But praise God, we go further. Praise God that he was buried and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And it's good to know tonight that we come with a gospel message that ye must be saved and salvation is found in a man who is alive forevermore, forevermore. But really to understand why this, these words were being uttered in Acts 4, verse 12 from Peter, it is really found in Acts chapter 3, and I'm sure you will know the events that have undertaken there. Peter and John, they're making their way to the temple and they come across a lame man sitting at the gates of the temple. And there he's sitting, he's a man who's been lame from birth, He's got no hope in reality. He can't go anywhere. The only way that he can come to the gate of the temple is by someone bringing him. And then Peter and John, they approach him and they see him. And they tell this man, that silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you see, here was a man, he was lame. He had no hope. And yet, whenever Peter and John came with the message, not with material goods, but they came with a message of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, he was able to enjoy salvation in physical form. Because of this man, we find that he was given strength in his joints immediately. And he went walking, leaping, and praising God. 
And you see, here was an event that was witnessed by all. You know, here was a man who society would have knew that he couldn't walk, he had no hope. And all of a sudden he's walking and he's praising God and really what happened was that the religious crowds, they, they didn't like it, they didn't like what they seen, they didn't like the message. They knew that they had an issue with the fact that they could not hide what had taken place with this man. And so what they do is they take Peter and John and they hold them prisoner overnight. And then in the next day they set them in the midst and here's Peter and John and they're crowded by the Sadducees and the elders and the priests. And they put the question to them, by what power or by what authority or by what name has this taken place? And they tell him that this man walks because of the power of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then they go further and they say, neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And you see, if we think of this man, we can see but a picture tonight of ourselves. You see, here was Peter and he was telling this religious crowd that works won't save you. Telling this religious crowd that whatever it is that you're trusting in, it won't save you. But salvation will only be found in the person of Christ. And if we think of this lame man tonight, he is but a picture of you and I. Because scripture tells us that he was lame from his mother's womb. This man was born into the world with a problem. This man lived his life with a problem. And the only way that he found restoration, the only way that he found healing, was in Christ. And you see, if we think of ourselves tonight, we could think of what the psalmist David said in Psalm 51. He tells us that, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. You see, the psalmist David could recognize that he was born in sin. Just as this lame man came out of the womb with a problem, each and every one of us came out of the womb with a sin nature. And you see, dear friends, tonight we think of that little phrase whereby we must be saved. The fact of the matter is this, that we must be saved because we're born in sin. We must be saved because before a holy God, we're at enmity. Before a holy God, we're separated from him. Because the word of God tells us that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And just like this lame man, the only way that we will find true salvation is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see that little thought there, that in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is the fact that back whenever we were to read our Bibles, names always came with a meaning. In society today, we would often just know individuals by their name and it wouldn't really describe them. But if you think back to Exodus chapter 3 and, the Lord, and when Moses was at the burning bush, and just before he was going to go to the children of Israel, he said, who shall I say that has sent me? And there the God tells him, tell them that I am that I am. And you know, if you think of that tonight, as Moses would go to the children of Israel and would tell them, I am that I am hath sent me to you. They would be able to recognize that this was the self-existing, all-powerful, the creatorial God that had sent them. You see, there was more in a name than just identity. 
It tells us about the person. And you see tonight there's salvation in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ because we think of who he is. For Jesus it means saviour. And tonight you can have a saviour in the Lord Jesus Christ because there's power in his name to save you. You can see the priority of salvation tonight whereby we must be saved. But you know, then we went and we read in John chapter 3 and verse 17, for God sent forth his Son not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Not so much the priority of salvation now that we must be saved, but now we would see the possibility of salvation because God has sent forth his Son that through him we might be saved. You see, we could... We would never want to halt our message by telling you that you must be saved and to walk out and leave you standing at, at the gateway, as it were, not knowing what would come next. You see, there's the priority we must be saved, but praise God, there's the possibility tonight that you can be saved. For God sent forth his Son. And really, when we think of that idea there that God sent forth his Son, what it really means is this, that God has sent his son, his representative to this earth in order to fulfill a specific purpose. And if we think that God sent forth his son with a specific purpose, that specific purpose was that he would walk upon the broad acres of this world, that he would live a sinless and perfect life and that he would go to the place called Calvary and there the just for the unjust would suffer so that he would open up the door that we might be gloriously saved. And you see, what stands in that little verse is this, is the fact that we see the divine plan of God on one side, for God sent forth his Son. But yet on the other side of the coin, we see the responsibility of man, because it says that through him the world might be saved. And you see, in order to be saved this evening, God has sent forth his Son and made it possible. But dear friends, tonight there's something for you to do. There was something for me to do when I was gloriously saved. That we must come to him in believing faith, trusting on the Lord Jesus Christ. But what is interesting to notice is that that little verse, it follows what we would know as one of the, the well-known gospel texts that each and every one of us could probably quote. In John 3 and 16, we find that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And you know, as we think of that, John 3 and 16, would, we would really think about the great sacrifice in that God sent his son. It must have been a great thing. It, it was a great thing, rather, that God would send his only begotten son, but greater still that God would give his only begotten son. Whenever we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, we think of the one who brought great delight to the Father's heart. In Isaiah chapter 42, whenever the Lord Jesus Christ is spoken of, behold my servant, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth. We can think of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who, the, who God found great delight in, and yet he was willing to give him, he was willing to freely deliver him up for us all, that through his death on Calvary's cross that we 
could be gloriously saved. And you know, if we think of Christ this evening, he has made it possible for us to be saved in the fact that the Bible tells us that there can be no remission without the shedding of blood. And if we think we cast our minds back to Calvary, if we cast our minds back to there when the Lord Jesus Christ hung on the cross, we cast our minds back when he had his hands nailed to the cross, his feet nailed, he had the crown of thorns upon his brow, his face was so marred, and there he was in the place of sinners. There he was dying the death that we deserved. There he was shedding his precious blood that tonight, that if you're not saved, that you can be gloriously saved because of his precious blood. And you know, we think of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ as he hung there, when he cried out from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And so, dear friends, tonight we would think much of the possibility of salvation. It's possible because Christ went to the place called Calvary. It's possible because there he shed his precious blood for you and me, the just for the unjust, the godly for the ungodly, the sinless for the sinner, the greatest man to ever walk upon this earth so that we could be called the sons of God. And so, dear friends, we think of what Peter said tonight. He said, whereby ye must be saved. And that's the priority. We think of what John has said here. He says that the world through him might be saved. And that's the possibility. That's the possibility. You can be saved tonight, dear friends. And then we came to Acts chapter 16 and verse 31. And there Paul and Silas, they told the Philippian jailer, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not so much the priority that you must be saved. Not so much the possibility that you can be saved. But here we have the pledge of salvation the pledge that if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, that you will be saved. You will be saved. And what is important that stands out in this little text this evening, and really this sought to challenge the hearts of the believers in the meeting tonight, that if you glance your eye back to verse 25 of the chapter, you'll find that it was at midnight that Paul and Silas were singing praises and praying unto God. And it says that the prisoners heard them. And then there was a great earthquake. And there then the, the, the doors of the prison were open. And it tells us that the, the Philippian jailer or the, the prison officer was awakened out of his sleep. And if we think of that this evening, here was the scene. Paul and Silas were in the prison. They were praising God. And maybe they felt like nobody was responding to their message. The earthquake has happened. The prisoner who, or the prison officer who wouldn't have heard them praising and praying was awakened out of his sleep. Here was a great opportunity for them. And you see, Paul and Silas were ready when the opportunity came. You see, one of the things that we find concerning this jailer 
was the fact that when he awake, or when he awoke and recognized that the doors were open, it tells us there that he drew out his sword and would have killed himself. He recognized he was in a great position of struggle. He recognized that the likelihood would have been that the doors are opened and the prisoners have escaped, and he knew what his likely end would have been. But here was Paul and Silas, and they were ready for their opportunity. It wasn't the fact that the door was opened and here was an opportunity and they were going to miss it. But you see, they were so in touch with God that at midnight they were praying and praising God that when this moment of opportunity opened, whenever they had this opportunity to take a man who was at wit's end, he's almost at the point of committing suicide, and there they were, ready to take action concerning the gospel. And there we read that Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do thyself no harm, for we are all there. He was a man ready to step up and to present the gospel at this great opportunity. A man who's almost at the point of killing himself, going out into a lost eternity without Christ. But Paul and Silas saw his need and saw the, the great opportunity. And then we find that the, the, there in verse 29 that the, the jailer, he comes out and trembling before Paul and Silas, he says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to be saved? And one of the great things tonight is the fact that the most important must of our salvation has been done. If you think your mind back to the Lord Jesus Christ whenever he takes the disciples to Caesarea Philippi, and there he tells them that the Son of Man must suffer many things. He tells them that the Son of Man must be rejected. He tells them that the Son of Man must be killed. He tells them that the Son of Man must rise again the third day. And you see, the greatest must of our salvation has already been done. For Christ has already suffered. Christ has already been rejected. Christ has already been killed. Christ has already rose again. And praise God, he's seated at the right hand of the majesty and high. And you see, the greatest must in order for us to be saved has been accomplished. And really, we would say, if the jailer is saying, what must I do? We would say, there's nothing for you to do but simply to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ because the work has been done. And that's why Paul reminds us that by grace are ye saved. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And you see tonight the pledge of salvation is simply this, that believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. There's a certainty about it. You know, we thought at the start of the meeting, we said that salvation in the Lord brings assurance. And the greatest assurance that we will ever know is the fact that if we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved. <coughs> Many of the world's religions today are doing things in order to attain, doing things and they may not even know whether they reach paradise. But the great assurance of the gospel message is Thou shalt be saved. And so if we little if we were to piece this together, 
We would say, dear friends, tonight, we would put the question that we put at the start of the meeting. Are you saved? Do you have salvation tonight? Not do you intend to get it before you die, because no man knows what this week will bring forth, never mind the rest of the year and the will of God. And the priority of your heart tonight must be to recognize that you must be saved. Then you must recognize tonight the possibility that God has sent forth his Son, that through him you can be saved. And then you can piece it all together and you can see the pledge of salvation. But when you recognize you are a sinner before God, when you recognize that Christ has finished a work upon Calvary's tree that can save you, then you can come and you can make the great pledge of salvation. You can depend and trust and believe by faith in him, repenting of your sins and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And so we trust that all who are gathered in this little meeting tonight, from the youngest to the oldest, would know the greatness of salvation in their hearts, and they would know what it is to have the assurance in their hearts that they're heading for heaven, and they're associated with Christ, and that they recognize tonight that Christ can offer the greatest joy that the world cannot give, and dear friends, that we will hope to enjoy with him for all eternity. And so we'll just simply leave those thoughts with you. The priority of salvation, you must be saved. The possibility of salvation, you can be saved. But more importantly, the, pl- the pledge of salvation. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. We trust the Lord will bless the preaching of his gospel to us tonight. Let us by in a word of prayer. Our gracious God and eternal heavenly Father, we thank thee tonight for the good news of the gospel. We thank thee that the, power, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We thank thee tonight, our Father, that we can hope and depend upon none other because there is no other name under heaven. There is no other way given to us that we might be saved but simply by coming to thy Son in believing faith. And so, Father, we pray for the gospel message upon this meeting. We pray for all who are gathered here tonight, for those without Christ, that the Spirit of God might take a dealing with them and speak to them. And as they go out through the doors tonight, that they would know what it is to be gloriously saved even this evening. We pray for our gospel across the land from top to bottom. We pray for men who will faithfully have preached the gospel. We pray tonight that many sinners would be one for the kingdom of God and gloriously saved. We ask these things in thy precious and most holy name.